Good afternoon, everybody. Eddie Webb here at the New Media Lab at Mesa Community College. It is our pleasure to have with us today Dr. Lori Burkwam, our current president and absolute uh, amazing leader who has brought a a fresh uh, energy to Mesa Community College, uh, determined to meet the uh, priorities of student success and a healthy learning environment, I believe, uh, the word uh, around it that is associated with uh, Dr. Berkwam's work is intelligence and kindness. Welcome to the New Media Lab. Thank you, Dr. Webb. It's a pleasure. So how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm actually loving being at the college and in the space and walking around, and I can almost hear the students. I can almost hear their footprints and their chattering together, and I can almost see a lot of the faculty lo- carrying their books to and from classrooms, almost. Yeah. The the uh, energy is still alive on this ground here. It is. I want everybody to know that the New Media Lab has gone above and beyond to make sure that this is a COVID-safe uh, learning <laughs> uh, environment. We are social distancing. We work with our facilities folks to hook us up with some uh, plexiglass and uh, we've wiped everything down we have our mask Uh, we'll put them on when we get a bit closer together so we have uh we we're here for the purposes of having a discussion with our president and uh we pulled up some uh, questions and we would like to start with the uh premise that uh, many like many institutions across the country in higher learning uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has required uh, face-to-face classes to convert to online learning. This is an enormous challenge. And state by state, how universities and colleges are responding um, uh, to this pandemic has been critical uh, in many ways to the health and life of you know, our community. And we feel very fortunate here at Mesa Community College to have a leadership uh, that comes together as well as all the all the 10 campuses to create policy and be decisive. I know for a faculty member, that's the one thing I I really do appreciate. I'm a face to face guy. Uh, I can teach online. I learned and I can do all of that, but I just need to to know and to know where we're going to settle in. And I think you all did an exceptional job. So thank you. We, uh, we, our first question for our president, what kind of challenges have students faced specifically with access to online environments and resources and how has MCC helped these students? Thank you for that question, Dr. Webb. And um, let me say that you're welcome, first of all, in terms of how we have tried to manage COVID-19 um, as a college and as a district, and and it is a collective effort. Um, and decisiveness, I think, is really helpful for faculty and, and for staff, and doing so with the safety of our staff, faculty, and students in mind is certainly and has been paramount. Um, the transition to online, first of all, let's just go back to March, if we can rewind for a few months. And um, it happened pretty much like out of the blue. And we could have seen it coming if we'd have really been paying attention. I mean, looking at what was happening in Italy, looking what had happened in China, 
um, learning from that is probably something we could look back on now, have hindsight 2020. It's so funny, isn't that, that it's year 2020? But that maybe we could have done a little bit better in our preparations. That said, we moved to, um, you know, the virtual or remote environment pretty quickly. And I think that transition for our students was pretty abrupt. And I, I think that for many of our students, just as I would say is true for me, is I value the face-to-face. I value the, you know, getting to know your energy, getting to know what really makes you a passionate faculty member, a passionate instructor, um, because that incites some passion in me. So I, I think the transition was tough. I think, um, which is true across the, the nation here in the United States, we have students who have, and we have many students who have not or have less And so juggling to try to figure out, okay, how do we provide some of those resources, whether it is access to Wi-Fi, whether it is access to a device. You're aware we distributed um, a couple hundred laptops to our students. We distributed some hotspots. We distributed and continue to support some students who need Wi-Fi access, so providing them some additional resources financially to be able to upgrade their phone to a hotspot. But many of our students relied on the college for their computer access, or they did, um, you know, used a lot on their phone. But a phone and actually taking a class is not exactly user-friendly, right? It's not the ideal or optimal environment. Um, So we did some of that juggling pretty quickly uh, and, you know, made it through. And I would say we hobbled through the end of the semester. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination we could look back and go like, well, we knocked that one out of the park. But I think we did the best we could with what we had at the time. Um, And the summer, we tried to pick up some pieces, tried to put some other things in place. Our CTS team, our college technology team, did a great job of readying some of our classrooms to be more technology-friendly and to be able to provide some live online um, resources for faculty to be able to teach from the classroom, which has been helpful. We've also provided um, loaner laptop loaner services, Wi-Fi hotspots, and we have just in the next building the computer access and the in- Wi-Fi access. Does that meet the need? You know, clearly our enrollment is down about 15%, so we're missing something. And I mean, candidly, I think so many of what our so much of what our students want is they want that access to a faculty member. They don't want to have to do it via email or, you know, the the remote environment. They want to sit in a classroom and feel your passion. I think a lot of that, in my experience, and why I decided to go into education, uh, is our. Our first, our population here, first generation students, fifty one percent, and uh, they need that contact, right? That socialization into a learning environment, <clears throat> and if you couple that with a low income, right, uh, needs that a lot of our students have, just by virtue of uh, the you know economy uh, in, in Mesa. Um, it's such a thrill to see them get their hands on, on, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, st- industry standard 
everything. Well, actually, to be able to touch it yeah. is one thing, right? To look at it in, you know, online or right. from a distance is something. But to be able to touch it and utilize it, which is why what you have here in the new new Media Lab is is so incredibly innovative. And it gives voice to students who have not had a voice. That's right. They get the opportunity to shine and to tell what it, it what's here yeah. and show what's yeah. here. And and sometimes that comes out on words on paper. But you and I both know that's not true for everyone. Right. And some stories actually are better told not on paper. Right. Yeah. When yeah. they're told from the heart, in the voices that own that heart. Yeah, and I think the success that we have had, I know, especially not just locally here, but uh, as the both our president and yourself, our uh, uh, provost and chancellor have uh, invested to build these on all 10 campuses. I think it's what's made us successful is the fact that we are responsible to real research. Uh, we do the video part, we do the visual audio part, but it is all, the foundation of that is solid scholarship. And this is what I tell the students that come here, the first generation, 18, 19 year old, I want them to see themselves as emerging scholars. And my job is to teach them what that is, right? So if you're a first generation, all of this is new in, in many, many ways. And so it's that balance between, you know, both sides of the brain or creativity and, uh, you know, science. And all of those things merge here because uh, what you started off with was speaking about Italy. Right? <laughs> We're sitting in Mesa. And this is something uh, indigenous people have always talked about, right? This interconnectedness of, ever, of everything. And so that philosophy here was built around a framework of indigenous thought. Because it's just a natural thing. You know, it's not a, it isn't anything unique other than the fact that we created space for students. Students have built this place with the products they've uh, produced, you know. Um, yeah, so we, we're, we love this place. And we, hopefully we look forward to the future to have this room full of students again soon. Um, let me ask you this question here. Um, so as students, as you have mentioned, the obstacles that they have faced, uh, hotspot, phones, uh, having a, a computer, what, what is the most unexpected thing that you have faced during this time? You know, may I call you Eddie? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Eddie, I think the the thing that, and I don't know if it's unexpected, but probably the th one of the things that has tugged at my heartstrings is the idea of, um, and, and going back to what you said about first-generation college students coming here, you know, they're coming here on a wish, on a hope, That's and right. on a dime. That's right. Right? And so that's thin. You know how thin a dime is, right? So something like the pandemic, the covid knocked them off that dime. And so I've talked with students who have lost jobs, who have lost family members, who don't have access to health care. Um, you know, I was here during some of our um, drive-through COVID testing and um, talked through, talked with a couple of people who actually 
go to school here or went to school here. And we're so grateful to have this access to be able to see where they were at regarding COVID because they weren't feeling well or had some symptoms. And so, you know, the a couple of things um, stick in my head. The single parent who really was upset because they didn't have access to diapers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, we count the diapers, but that's not fair to my baby to think like, you know, you got to stay in a wet diaper longer than what really is probably uh, recommended because I've got to make them stretch or make them last. Mm -hmm. Um, That was an impactful story that tugged at my heartstrings. The um, student who was a returning student who um, said, I live with my parents, but both of my parents lost their jobs. And so I'm the sole provider and I'm at risk for losing my job. Right. When you hear those stories, you realize how thin that dime is that I talked about. And they still want to have the hope of completing a degree, getting to a better place in their lives for their families, for the generations to come, but also for them. And, and going back to something you talked about earlier regarding, um, you know, the value of face-to-face and Our students look for that affirmation from their faculty, from the staff they connect with. That reassurance, that instilled confidence that we offer them goes beyond just the classroom, Eddie. It's their lives, right? It's When I talk to the student whose parents lost their job and they're at risk of losing their job, I mean, he was all but crying. He says, I'm not sure where I'm going to get the money from. To eat. Yeah, and these are the stories that, as faculty, we hear routinely. Well, you have peanut butter and jelly in this room. (laughs) Every time I have come here, you have peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. We we cook food. We bring food. Oh, yeah, Uh, I had your soup. It was delicious. Soup. soup, Because I believe in the holistic approach uh, to, you know, development or whatever. And I also think that once we hire people and we send people out there to recruit students to come here, we owe them a responsibility that the basic necessities are met. And as a, as just as a human being, you can only hear about your students going hungry for so long, you know? And I just said, you know what? Years ago, before we had the marketplace, uh, there was a police officer that worked here, uh, Lynn, I think, was his name and they had some kind of something you know about bringing food on the campus but him and I would go to Costco and we'd sneak food and we had a big stash <laughs> over here and I think that finally turned why into why is the, that just not surprising <laughs> yeah. me Eddie why yeah. is that just not surprising <laughs> everybody me? was eating ramen and peanut butter but you know it worked and so a part of the identity of the new media lab is yeah if you come by you're probably we're gonna offer you a meal Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to, we want you to be, I don't want kids thinking about that, why they're trying to learn. Cause obviously we all know the research around that sort of stuff. Um, and and so, let's stick on yeah. that for one second, because that does not just, it doesn't just do the thing of like you then stave the hunger. Right. What you are also doing is you're creating a community table. Right. And creating that community table offers so much to a learner offer so much to their success, right? right? Because they know that it's not just about, I mean, it's great having peanut butter sandwich, 
But it's far more important to sit down and have that bowl of soup, which I did in this room, yeah, yeah. and we had a great conversation. Right. It wasn't about the soup. Right. Yeah. It was about the collective people and the community table we sat at. And you set that table for us, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, that's family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, we used to talk about that, you know, being a family. And uh, actually, one of the Salt River uh, Pima elders came, has been working with us from the beginning. And he actually gave us our name last year in, uh, in his language, uh, a place of belonging. And we latched onto that, man, like just crazy, you know, and that became, that is our mantra that we want, we want a place of belonging. We want students to come here now, you know, outside of the, the COVID needs and the, how that's changed dynamics, you know, we wanted people to be able to come here because as the demographic changes, so does the narrative around social justice, Mm -hmm. as we've seen now in these posts that I see on the internet about uh, whiteness and you know and all of that uh you know and we wanted people to have a safe place to come here and explore those ideas because again that's what scholars do i'm at a place of inherent sovereignty inherent learning so i just want students to tell their truth the idea of always having to push back I think is a waste of time in many ways, right? So when we talk about a place of belonging, I just want students to be authentic, to celebrate who they are, to find the best of themselves and let us foster that and give space for that to grow instead of always just the resistance part. Because the resistance part takes a lot of energy and I don't know what gets changed. There's a balance and a need, but in that place of belonging, that was part of it, you know, come here. And if you want to talk about social justice, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, all of these dynamics, come here. We'll help you tell that story, you know. And I think that's, if you've seen all of our podcasts, and you can see students are very comfortable with that. And that's another thing. And Mesa should be very proud about that. You know, this is what thinkers do. This is what scholars and artists do. It's not repressing uh, thought, but bringing it forward, elevating it, elevating it, yeah, giving it space and and cause, honoring it. Uh, yes, yes. So, Eddie, my research um, is about student success. The number one contributor to student success: developing a sense of belonging. Really nice. When students feel like they belong, they feel cared for. Right. They feel their voices are honored and valued. They're believed in. They can tell their truth because they're allowed to tell their truth. They're empowered to tell their truth. Yeah. They're not judged for their truth. And candidly, that's one reason that uh, why I'm here at MCC is that we are honoring voices. We're elevating voices and we're supporting voices. Is it tougher in the time of COVID in remote learning or virtual classrooms? And absolutely it's tougher. But you know what? It's more about what they feel from you in whatever medium you're teaching in. 
right? You can be teaching. I mean, it's sort of how I feel like when I'm talking to my parents on the telephone, it's not the same as being in person with them, but they know that we're talking the same language of love. And if we talk of love, and you know I'm not afraid to talk about love, Eddie, because I believe in the power of love and that love does win. Um, That's what our faculty members are doing, is cultivating that, that sense of love, of belonging, of care, of compassion, of empathy. And once you do that, I mean, what you're doing is you're cultivating, you're, you're taking a little bird, and you're giving it space to spread its wings, to eventually soar, and leave here and go do good things in the world. That's right. And maybe come back here, but go and do good things in the world, because we need more of that. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I say this all the time, that's the heart of a teacher. I mean, I've just, I've never met a bad teacher. You know, every teacher I know, and especially the crew I work with in the English department, man, they love their students. They will defend them to the end, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Let me ask one last, (laughs) let me, let me ask one last question. Did I get us off track here? I'm sorry. That's all right. How have, from your uh, vantage point, you know, from where you're sitting, um, how have you seen the amazing work that faculty and students have done, you know, to come together to make sure that, you know, we keep it going at the high level? You must have some great stories. Oh, my fact, gosh. I have yeah. some. I can't hardly yeah. st- stay in my seat. <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that comes to my mind, first of all, and then I'll, I'll give an example, but um, is our faculty are learning at the same time our students are learning. Yeah. Right? It is. It had to happen in like high gear. So imagine shifting into fifth gear, like, and you're going up a hill. And it's like, I, I still got to keep the pedal to the metal to, you know, probably a bad movie quote. But, um, and our faculty have not let up. That's right. You know, we have, you know, science faculty in, in um, life sciences who created lab kits so that our students could do lab experiences at home. Come on, isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, um, We've got dance faculty, and I just spoke to um, a dance faculty member who is like beside herself about you know the performances that they're gonna do in November and how she is coordinating this with all of the students and doing it all virtually. These are cool things. Yeah. This is really cool stuff. And it's igniting probably in some of our faculty this whole sense of like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> right. <yes>. Um, <laughs> right. That's right. And, and so when you talk about instilling confidence and you, you're trying something new, you know, it's always a little bit awkward. It's right. always a little, it, yeah, right? You get a little judgmental, even of yourself. Oh, I could have done that better. <laughs> that Like I could have, you know, yeah. there's always all of that. But the joys I have heard and certainly there's been some hiccups, right? And and you got to learn from the hiccups too, yeah. right? You get online and it's like suddenly somebody's child is running through or somebody's new kitten is in the background or somebody's whatever it is. Yeah. It, you know, this is life. That's right. This yeah. is life. And it's a huge privilege. And that's something that I've heard from our faculty, that it's a huge privilege to be invited into a student's home. All right. And that's not what you, you don't often do that when they're sitting in a classroom. You don't know much about them. Right. And, 
having just talked with some students yesterday, you know, they, I mean, one student said, you know, I was kind of embarrassed. I used to put up a sheet behind me because I don't live in a very nice place. Hmm. And so I would hide it. But one of her faculty said, you know what? We're in this together. Wherever you are is okay with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, another set of conversations I've had with students. Like, you're coming into my home, and I'm coming into your home, and let's have some a, a little bit of ground rules around that. We have some discussion. and Yeah, make, it, again, it brings that community together. I know? love that in, you had in, the in discussion the, and that you actually named it. Oh, yeah. yeah because naming to. it takes away so much of the fear. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the COVID has pushed technology in the learning environment uh, just Jump started it like three to five years ahead because when we started this, it was like no, you know, getting faculty to <laughs> incorporate some video and audio into the curriculum was like you know it was tough, and we. Used How to, are you keeping up? That's my question. Yeah, well, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reimagining a few things, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we're moving, we're moving forward, uh, but we we, but. But, it, but I would get a kick out of it because when I was given talks around the uh, camp, the colleges, uh, I always, my lecture was called modernizing the written word, right? And now I've changed that to normalizing hmm. because it's been, I get a real kick out of the people who kind of push back a little bit who are now making YouTube videos. You know <laughs> what I mean? I get, I, get a, I get a kick out of that. Like, oh yeah, I remember when, ah, you know. How's that working for you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, our students need this skill too because that's the world they're going to be living in. So Absolutely. I think this is this I want you know, I, I one day this should be a normal thing and I, you know, and I I know we have uh you know, have have a uh, in the future when we come back as you was uh, you've told me before we need to take advantage of what we have learned. Hey everybody, Eddie Webb, we are here in the New Media Lab with our president Lori <laughs> and uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the financial uh, challenges that students have faced and how MCC is supporting those challenges. See you in a minute. Royalty-free audio, Grinoline Dreams, by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com. The Maricopa County Community College District, MCCCD, is an EEO-AA institution and an equal opportunity employer of protected veterans and individuals with disabilities. All qualified applicants will receive consideration for employment without regard to race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, or national origin. A lack of English language skills will not be a barrier to admission and participation in the career and technical education programs of the district. The Maricopa County Community College District does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, disability, or age in its programs or activities. For Title IX 504 concerns, call the following number to reach the appointed coordinator, 480-731-8499. 
For additional information, as well as the listing of all coordinators within the Maricopa College System, please visit maricopa.edu slash non-discrimination.